Well, good morning. I want to welcome everybody here this morning. And I know right off the bat, you're probably thinking, something seems different. Like, something's off. Like, has our pastor gotten thinner? Thank you for noticing, by the way. I have been working out, but uh, I'm also on a screen, so if you didn't know that. So, and the reason is because I'm currently on vacation with my family, but I wanted to be here with you this weekend, too, because this is... This message has been on my heart for so long, and I wanted to bring it to you. So we get the best of both worlds. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think I'm right there with you. It's going to be the exact same experience, I promise. Front row, even you. I know that you're used to me sometimes getting a little excited and, and spitting on you, and you love that. I know that. So, Casey, you brought the, uh, you brought the water bottle? Yep. Give it a couple pumps. Yes. So every time I get excited or I start to maybe spit, which I've been known to do, Casey's going to give you a little, you know, he's going to let you know we love you. So I'm excited. You guys, you need to know something about me. When I was young and I would watch movies, I would get totally engrossed in them. Like when I watched Rocky, uh, this classic movie, how many of you have seen Rocky? Yeah. I mean, quite a few of you haven't. This is crazy. You... What is wrong with you? Okay, that's a classic movie, and uh, it is incredible. So I'm watching it, and Ro there's a scene where Rocky has this glass, and, and he gets up in the morning, and he takes about four or five raw eggs, and he starts to crack them in the glass one by one, and then he does the unthinkable. He grabs that glass, and he starts to just gulp, 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 and then he goes out, and he starts running, and he runs up these stairs, and he dances, and he starts knocking out uh, frozen beef. It was all, it's kind of weird, but I like, that's, I'm Rocky Balboa. I said, I'm that guy. So the next morning I get up and I'm like, I'm Rocky Balboa. I am Rocky Balboa. And I go to the kitchen. I'm just a kid, but I go to the kitchen and I, I grab one egg. I'm like, I can do one egg. So I crack that egg and I put it in the glass. I'm like, I am Rocky Balboa. I am Rocky Balboa. Gulp. And I have it in my mouth. And uh, it's, I don't know if you've ever been dumb enough to try this. It's the slimiest thing you'll ever shove in your mouth. It's disgusting. So I have it like right here. And I'm like, I'm Rocky Balboa. And I'm trying to gulp it down. And I'm like, I can't do it. And finally, boom, it goes flying up all over the sink. So I'm not Rocky Balboa. I, I'm not Rocky Balboa. But I thought I was. And then it happened again in a movie years later. My wife Jody and I were actually at a movie called The Last Samurai. And I remember watching that movie, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And we get done with it, I'm like, Jody, I know what I need for our family to protect you. I need a samurai sword. And she said, Monty, no, you don't. And she knew at this point I was a little unstable, um, you could say. So uh, looking back, she made the best decision. But in the moment, I thought, Jody, why are you holding me back? This is what I need for my purpose, for my destiny. So I never got it. But uh, today, I mean, we're in for kind of a treat. Because, check this out, Jody's not here today. So, uh, look at this baby. Yeah, genuine samurai sword. Check it out. That's right. That's, see, this is one more reason that you should be grateful I'm on a screen, okay? If, yeah, I'm just saying. You're lucky. So, someone's going to get hurt. This baby, this is what we're talking about today. We're in a series called Battleborn. Say Battleborn. Yes, Battleborn. Battle ready. And in this series, over the past weeks, we have looked at piece after piece after piece of the armor of God found in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. And every piece has been to guard us and protect us and shield us. But this week's different. This week, we're looking at the only offensive weapon in the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Let me read you the verse that's in God's Word. Check this out. 
Ephesians 6, 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. What Casey preached about. By the way, did Casey bring the word last weekend or what? Yes. Casey, give yourself a couple squirts there. That's, yes. So proud of him. That was awesome. But here we get to this point. So put on the salvation of your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon in God's armor, and it's the word of God. This is incredible. But something that you need to know about God's word. When the, when the New Testament was originally written, it was in Greek. And when the word of God was written down, like word of God, there was a couple different translations. Like one was logos. They'd write logos. Say logos. Yeah, logos. Logos was like the written word of God. It, it, means, it means plan. It means reason. So it's the written word of God. But that's not the word that they would have written here. The word that would have been written here in this scripture would have been rhema. Say rhema. Rhema. This is what they're talking about. You know what rhema is? Let me tell you. It is the spoken word of God into your life. The spoken word of God into your life. There's other places in scripture that rhema is used, like Romans 10, 17. Listen, so faith comes from hearing, say hearing, hearing, and hearing by the word, by the rhema of Christ. The rhema of Christ. This is the only offensive weapon. It is the spoken word of God. There is power when we speak God's truth. There is power when we say it out loud. See, we're learning in this series that we have an enemy, don't we? We have an enemy, and his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will lie to you, and he will deceive you. And, 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 but here's the thing about the devil. He doesn't know your thoughts. He doesn't know what you're thinking, but he can hear you, and he could watch you. So, and what he wants to do is he wants to put thoughts in your head. And he's going to base what he puts in your head on what he hears from you and what he watches. This is why the word of God is so important. I, okay, I better put this away because someone's going to get hurt, namely myself. And this is one reason that I should never have one in the first place. Yes. So, the word of God. Say word. Word of God, but be more specific, the spoken word of God. It's our primary weapon. It is our primary weapon in the battle that we face. And yet I would, I would contend that most people, they leave it right here. They, they put it right here. They might own it. It's maybe on the wall, but they never put it to use. So it can never do anything for you in your life. Well, no more. Today, God has got a word for us, and it is out of the book of Matthew. So go to, if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile app, go to Matthew chapter 4. It is the first book of the New Testament, and in there, okay, so Jesus has literally just been baptized, and he's beginning his ministry, all right? That's where we pick it up. So this is the very beginning. And Jesus, so Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and listen to this. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We talked about that in a previous week. When you go through a victory, be prepared for a not a defeat, but for a battle, okay? It's only a defeat if you don't use the weapons you're given. So check it out. So, so Jesus goes into the, the desert to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. 
Matthew. I'm like, Captain Obvious Matthew. Yeah, you know, after eating for 40 days, you would be hungry. 40 days of not eating. It, it makes me think of the guy who, who was actually eating everything he could. And he goes into the doctor, and the doctor does these tests, and he says, listen, you, you, you should not eat anything fatty. And he says, okay, so no hamburger, no, no ice cream, no bacon. Doctor's like, no, fatty, don't eat anything. So, okay, so I'm sorry. So <laughs> Jesus didn't eat anything. So he is already down on his defenses. He is uh, defenseless almost when it comes to the physical sense, but he still has a weapon. And you're going to watch how he uses it. The devil comes to Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, wow, if you're the, always getting you to question your identity, that's what he does. He did it in the garden, and he's doing it in the desert. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to turn to bread. Tell these stones to turn to bread. Jesus told him, no, rhema. He uses rhema, the spoken word of God. No, scripture says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is important to notice in this first temptation of Jesus, this physical temptation, that Jesus was a man. He wasn't, he's not the son of God at this point. He has laid down his divine rights. He's not using any kind of divine power. He is struggling like you and I struggle in our temptation. That's why we can say that Jesus knows what you go through. Jesus has gone through what you've gone through. I'll be straight up. Some of you, you are in such a battle with temptation right now. That's why God brought you here. Physical temptation. That's where we're at with the first temptation. It's physical, and the devil will do whatever it takes to get you to give in, but I'm telling you something today. You don't have to give in. The Bible says that there is a way out. There's always a way out, and Jesus is showing us the way out with the rhema, the spoken word of God. The devil wanted Jesus to give in. The devil wanted him to use his divine rights. That's what, to take a shortcut, but Jesus says it. Man, notice he's a man, man shall not live on bread alone. Unless maybe it's, unless, I, I, I like to ask Jesus this, what about that Texas Roadhouse bread? I mean, if, if you give me that and the butter, I got to have the butter with it, I might be able to just live on that. I'm, Jesus, I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying, have you ever had it? I mean, it's awesome. So anyway, um, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the, every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that. This physical temptation. Just, but just like in the garden with Eve, what's the devil trying to do here? He's trying to get Jesus to believe that God doesn't care about him. In other words, I could just hear the devil, so, so your dad, your father doesn't feed you? So your dad leads you out to a place to leave you, to starve you? He brings you out to a barren land with nothing? He, he, just like in the garden with Eve, he's trying to get him to believe your father really doesn't love you. Your father really doesn't care about you. Some of you walked in here wondering if God is good, wondering if there's hope, wondering why you would have to endure what you're enduring. I'm here to tell you your God is good. Your God loves you, and you're here today because he wants to speak life into you. Rhema, the spoken word of God. This is so amazing. This is why I tell people, when you, God's word if you don't have a Bible, go to guest services after the service and get one. We want to give you one. If you have one, open it. Read it. Ten minutes a day for the rest of your days will change your days. Ten minutes a day. Start in the New Testament, just where we're starting today. It will change you. And read it out loud, if you can. 
like speak it out loud. There's something about saying it out loud. Speaking God's truth over your life, especially when you're struggling. Maybe this week you'll be, you'll be at the gym on the treadmill running away and you're probably three seconds from face planting and, and, and giving up. And all of a sudden you just start speaking the word of God. God is my strength. God is my refuge. God is my fortress. And right now you're thinking, I don't know, man. People around the gym are going to think I'm weird. They already know you're weird, okay? Don't worry about that, all right? Speak God's truth over you and over your family. This is what Jesus is teaching us. Temptation number two. Here we go. Then, say then, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem. He took him to the highest point, And he said, if you're the son of God, again, get, trying to get Jesus to question who he is in, in, in God, if you're the son of God, jump off. For scripture says, he, and, and now this is nuts because now, now the devil is using God's word, but not the way he should. I'll show you. The devil says, scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt a foot on a stone. Jesus responds with the spoken word of God, rhema. The scriptures also say, devil, you you must not test the Lord your God. So the devil's going after, first he went after physical, now he goes after emotional. These emotional needs and the security. And he tries to lure Jesus with his word. It's interesting. See, the devil knows the word of God. The devil, he knows the word of God. He just doesn't believe it and he doesn't obey it. And there's the difference. He doesn't believe it and he doesn't obey it. And the devil's going back to Old Testament scripture in Psalm. In fact, he quotes Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. That's what he just quoted. Where God promised to care for his own people. Okay, so here what the devil is doing, and this is so key that you catch this, the devil is using God's word out of context. And I'll tell you, this happens all the time. It happens all the time. This is why, this is why life groups are so crucial because we can, we can look at together and we can get deeper and look at what it really means. But people do this all the time. You can, you can get the Bible, you can get this to say almost anything you want it to say if you take pieces of scripture by scripture and you take them out of context. You can get it to say whatever you want. That's why context is so important. In fact, in fact, I have a perfect illustration. I posted about this uh, just about a week ago. So uh, check this out, watch this. Hey, what's up, Monty with Meadows Church. Hey, I don't know if you've heard of the bottle cap challenge. If you haven't, it's where you take a bottle with a cap on it, you do a spinning backflip, you clip the cap, it goes spinning off. It's amazing, precision, skill. I saw someone do it and I thought, I can do that. Because my Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. Right now my neighbors are looking at me like, what's he doing? Don't worry about it. That's what I'm doing. Okay, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You ready for this? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay. I can't do all things through Christ. Okay, here's the deal. God's word is true, but sometimes we take scripture out of context. Now that scripture is beautiful. If you've got it on your wall, you've got it on a mug, you've got it on a, maybe it's tattooed on your left butt cheek. I don't know why you put it there or who's going to see it. Don't answer that. But uh, you don't have to go run out and get it removed. It's an awesome scripture. But the context of Philippians 4.13 is saying that we can do anything that is in the will of Jesus because he is the one who gives us strength to do it. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, well, I can do whatever I want because Jesus is going to give me strength. 
Like if you believe that, like go to the Minnesota Vikings training camp today, just knock on the door and say, hey, I'm gonna play linebacker for the Vikings because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and see what they say. Actually, that's not the best example. They might actually start you for the Vikings. So any other team, okay? Um, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, okay? God loves you and even if you're a Vikings fan, he loves you. You like that? Yeah, repeat after me. Go, Cowboys. That's right, praise God. Gotcha. So anyway, so yeah, so context matters. The devil's using God's word, but out of context. And let me explain. Uh, um, Psalm 91 that he quoted, this is what it means. The intention is to show God's protection over those people, over the Israelites. And not to incite them to, get, to have selfish ambition, to, to get what they want, to, to do foolish things. That's not what it was about, but that's what the devil tried to get Jesus to believe. This is key. Say three. Three. Here comes the third temptation. Next. The devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, the devil said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. Rhema. Spoken word of God. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This third temptation, it's kind of crazy. It's like psychological. It's about power. And, 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 and the devil's ultimate goal is to get us to worship him. That's, that's what he wanted. He wanted God to worship him. That's why he's where he's at now, a defeated foe. But check this out. And, and we could hear this and we could almost think, that doesn't make sense. How, does the devil even have the power to, to give Jesus anything or the kingdoms? So there's a couple schools of thought on this from scholars. One is, remember this, the devil is a liar. We've talked about that throughout this series. All he does is lie. So when he says, I will give you the kingdoms, I will give you this, it's very likely he's, he's talking about his implied power. Like almost like I have this power, but he really doesn't. That's one school of thought. The other, is, the other one is this, is that the devil is really the prince of this world. And the devil really does have free reign to do a lot of things in this world. God allows it because we have free will to decide how we're going to react to it. So, so that's another school of thought when it comes to this. And this is why it's so key for you to catch this. But listen to me. The devil wants us to worship him. Now when we're doing it, we're not going to know we're doing it. We're going to be focused on other things. We just won't be focused on God. He just won't be first in our life. And we won't be going after our purpose because, because the devil doesn't want you to live out your purpose. He has no desire for you to live out your God-given purpose. And he'll do whatever it takes to get you off track. The devil wants us to worship him. He wanted Jesus to worship him. It's so key. But Jesus, what does he use? What does he, what does he use? He uses the word as a weapon. I love, the word was his weapon. We must, say must, listen, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Notice he says worship and serve together like they're the same thing. I think they are. I, I do. Because you know what? Whatever you worship, you serve. Whatever you worship, you serve. That's why Jesus said, worship and serve only God. Jesus arms himself with rhema, the spoken word of God, the sword of the spirit, to win the battle against the enemy. The Bible says the devil left. But in Luke, Luke who tells the same story, you know what Luke says? Only for a short time. The devil's going to come back. 
See, some of you, you're in a good spot right now. Praise God for that. But we stay armored up. We stay together. We stay in God's word. We stay uh, sorted with the sword of the spirit because we know that if we're not in a fight right now, one is coming and we want to be ready. It's so key that you catch this. Brings me to the main point. If you get nothing else, get this. You ready? To win your battles, you need to read, hear, and speak God's word. To win your battles, you need to read, hear, and speak God's word. The number one way for you to pursue a relationship with Jesus is through the word of God. It's, it's the number one way. Listen, listen to this. Hebrews 12.2, I love this scripture. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of your faith. Can I tell you something? It is impossible to fix your eyes on the Son of God without spending time in the Word of God. That is impossible. You cannot do it. And this is why I tell people, if you do nothing else, get in God's Word. Get in it. Read it out loud. Own it. You may not understand it, but the supernatural blessing happens when you seek God through His Word. It is powerful. It is powerful. Let me give you another scripture in Hebrews to show you. Hebrews 4.12. Oh my gosh, this is good. Listen. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Now, do we believe that? Do we literally believe that this inspired, living, breathing love letter to you and I from God is what the Bible said, alive and powerful. I know it is. I never believed it years ago. I thought, whatever, I was reading some old book and it changed my life. It's the number one way I've grown closer to Jesus. It is the number one way. Hebrews, I'll keep going. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The sword of the Spirit, the spoken word of God, the rhema of God. To win the battle that you're fighting, you need to read it. You need to hear it like you are right now. And you need to speak it. If you do those things, I, I'm telling you, your life will change. It's why I love when we gather together. It's why I love when we get together like this. It is amazing and it's so important. Church gatherings, it's critical for your growth and your walk and your purpose. And so are life groups. Both are critical because something supernatural happens when we come together under God's umbrella, when we seek him together, when we open his word and we read it aloud. When you do that on a consistent basis, you will experience the power and the presence of God like never before. If you believe it, let him hear it. Amen. God, we need you in this place. We need to get in your word. We need to eat that spiritual food. It's what we need. It's so important. You know, it's funny. Before I wanted a samurai sword, there was, a <laughs> there was one time I was up late. I couldn't sleep. Jody was already sleeping. And it was probably midnight. And you know, TV gets weird at midnight. I mean, there, you see some weird stuff. So, and this was an infomercial. And I had, I, you know, I'd, I'd been suckered into one or two. And uh, this is one of them. And uh, <laughs> they were selling Miracle Blades. 
And I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Like I'm watching this guy talk about these set of knives and it, he is like, he's cut, first he's cutting through like this steel bar and then he goes over and slices tomatoes like it's nothing. Then he comes back over and he starts like slicing through this tennis shoe and I reach over and I grab my phone and Jody's like, don't do it. I'm like, Jody, you did not see what I just saw. That dude just cut through like a Nike high top like it was nothing. She's like, when are you going to ever need to cut through a shoe? I don't know. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, Jody. I don't know. I want to be ready, though. I couldn't have the sword. Why can't I have these? So I, so I called, and I got these miracle blades. And the whole, the whole selling point was the, the blades never go dull. They never go dull. Use them as much as you want on whatever you want, and they stay sharp. And I kid you not, when we got those blades, <laughs> they were sharp. Like the first month, I almost chopped my hand off five times. It was scary. But uh, I, I was so impressed. But you know what happened over time? They got dull. I mean, now I can use them. They're, I'm not sure they cut butter, but I still have them because it's just the nostalgia and the memories. So if I can't have that sword, I'm going to have that knife. So anyway, but they got dull. Blades get dull. Physical swords get dull. It's interesting. The more you use them, the duller they get. The sword of the Spirit, just the opposite. The more that you wield it, the more that you speak it, the more that you hear it, the more that you read it, the sharper it gets. It's, it's like a physical blade. It's, a lot of times it's used to hurt, to kill. A spiritual blade, a spiritual sword, what is it used to do? Heal and give life. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? Do you hear this? That, that the more that you're getting into God's word, people read God's word, they're like, I don't know, it's not doing much. Well, you read it for a day, okay? Try going another day. See what happens. I just, it will change you. It, the first church, I keep going back to the first church in the series, but can I, can I show you with my heart? My heart is that Meadows will be this first church in Acts. That Meadows will be so supernaturally filled with the presence and the power of Jesus Christ that we can't explain what God is doing. It's just, it's just him. It's just his power. It's just his goodness. When Peter, I talk about when Peter preached this first church message, listen to what it says in Acts 2.37. Peter's words, ultimately God's words spoken through Peter, Peter's words pierced their hearts. It, it, do you see that? It pierced their hearts. It changed them. The word of God will change you. But it won't change you if it just sits like this. This isn't going to do anything. You've got to get it out. You've got to use it. You've got to read it. It changes them. And they immediately wanted to do something. They said, what do we need to do? We're ready to go. We're ready to start living our purpose, living God's dreams in our heart. This is what they wanted. You know what Satan? Satan had an agenda for Jesus in the desert. And, and Jesus counted it with the word of God. But Satan's agenda was that Jesus would take a shortcut to his purpose. And that's what I believe the devil's agenda is for us. He wants us to take a shortcut he wants us to take the easy way. I believe with all my heart, the greatest temptation for a follower of Jesus is to do what's easy rather than what's right. See, what would be easy for Jesus in the desert? Turn him to bread. Eat him, Jesus. You're hungry. Do those things. Use your power. It's in you. Just use it. But Jesus knew something about purpose because he had a purpose in the desert. It was going to come about three years later on a cross, but he had a purpose. And Jesus Christ knew there was no cross, there was no victory, unless I go through the battle, unless I go through the pain. 
See, the, the pathway to your purpose, it's always paved with pain. We don't like the pain, but I'm telling you, it's producing something in you if you don't give up. It's produ- we don't want the problems. Jesus had severe problems. Read his story. You'll be amazed. But what he shows us, there's a way out. There is a way out. He's showing us the power of the word of God. And, and I'll, be, I'll be straight up with you. Jesus could have easily given up what he wanted most. What did Jesus want most? To please the Father. What did Jesus want most? To live this purpose. What did Jesus want most? As insane as this sounds, to go to the cross and die a criminal's death for you. That's what he wanted most. Don't give up what you want most for what you want now. I'll say it again. Don't you give up what you want most for what you want now. Now is instant gratification. And most people will not live out their purpose because they're, 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 they're settling, to temp- giving into temptation, and they're settling for what they want now rather than what they want most. It's, you're you're going to go through pain, okay? You're going to have problems. Some of you walked in here, you're in pain physically. We want to pray for you. Some of you, emotionally, you are literally a wreck. That's why God brought you here today. Some of you, you got so many problems, you don't know what to do with them all. Lay them at the foot of the cross. There is pain and there is problems. But I'm here to tell you something. That pain that you're going through, those problems that you're facing are not near as big as the purpose that Jesus Christ has for your life. Say purpose. No, 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 no. Shout purpose. Yes, you've got a purpose. And if you're in pain, if you've got problems, you very may well meet, babe. what am I saying? You very well may be on the pathway to that purpose. There's pain. There are problems. There is a Jesus who had a purpose. And I already told you his purpose was to go to the cross. That is the gospel. That Jesus, about three years after that encounter in the desert, would have an encounter on a hill called Calvary, where he would literally die on a cross, willingly, for you. So that you might live your purpose today tomorrow, and forever. That's what he did. If you have never sold out to Jesus, believe that he is God's son. Believe in what you've heard today, that he died on a cross, and three days later, he literally broke through the tomb, rose forth, and resurrected himself from the dead. And if you can wrap your head around that and you can believe in that, you can be made new. You can be made right in Christ. Because we're not right. Let's face it. We're messed up. We got issues. But Jesus Christ, that's why he went to the cross. Because you got issues. Because you're messed up. And I'm messed up. This is why he did it. This is why I love the gospel so much. Jesus, he wants to give us life through his death. Romans 10.10 For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. You are saved by God's grace through your faith when you believe in Jesus. When you believe what I just told you. That Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he he was God in the flesh. That he died and rose to take away our sins. When you believe in that and you commit to that, the Bible says you're made right. But listen to what it goes on to say. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. Well, that's interesting. I thought we're made right by just believing in Jesus. You are. 
But there's something about openly declaring. It's like baptism, that, that, that declaration. Not just keeping it secret, but telling somebody, speaking it to somebody. This is the power, okay? You don't have to speak out loud to be made right with God. So, so why profess it out loud? Well, I'll tell you who it's not for. It's not for God. He doesn't need you to profess it out loud. He already knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. See, you know what I think? I think it's so you can hear it, and I think it's so the devil can hear it. And so that the devil knows, as he hears you speak, that you have been made new in Christ. Why? Because you've read God's word. Because you have spoken God's word. Because you have listened to God's word. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. That is the name. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Power in his name. I get a little worked up, don't I? These, 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 these Battleborn banners, they're good for a lot of things. I'll tell you that right now. I love it. I love it. I hope you do too. I hope you wave it. I hope you use it. I hope you remember how much love your God has for, for you every time you look at it. A lady told me one time she came to the church. This is before I was in Omaha. I was preaching in Sioux Falls. And she said, yeah, I... I I'm not sure if I like the style and you get, <laughs> maybe she sat in the front row and she got splashed on. I don't know, but she didn't like the style. She thought I was a little bit too loud. I thought, me? I'm just kidding. A little bit too loud, a little bit too excitable, a little bit too enthusiastic. And I thought about that and I said, this woman, maybe she's not, maybe she's not been where I've been. Maybe she's not been down. I mean, I think when you've been down and out, when you've been in a hole, I mean, I was addicted to drugs. I was, I, it was hopeless for me, okay? Hopeless, dead in my sin, dead in myself, dead in my soul. And Jesus Christ, this author and perfecter of our faith, would literally reach down and raise me up, me? The least of these hurt so many people. And he would raise me up and set me on solid ground. And I, I remember her saying that, and I, I, I'm like, we're going to be pretty enthusiastic at Meadows. I just know that. That'll never stop. And it's biblical, I'll tell you that. You know, the word enthusiasm comes from the root word entheos. That's where it comes from. Entheos. In God. In God. In God. Do you see? See, the more that you get God into you, the more that you get God's word into you, the more of his spirit that gets into you and it will come out. And when it comes out, people, you, you can't help but get a little bit excited about it. You can't help but shout about the freedom that you have found in this man named Jesus because the word says who the sun sets free is free indeed. If someone believes it, I need you to praise Jesus for the next 10 seconds and give him praise. We will continue to praise God in this church. We will continue to lift up his name and we will continually give him glory for all that he's going to do today because he's going, he wants to do something in your life. Listen to me. You have everything that Jesus had in the desert. Everything. You have the Holy Spirit with you. His power is with you. You have the word of God, your, your, your sword of the spirit with you. You have all that you need. So the question is, what will you do with what you've been given? How will you use the sword of the spirit I want to tell you something. 
I'll give you some action items today. Number one, first of all, if you've never given your life to Christ and you've never called on his name and believed that he is the son of God, that is your next step. You do that before you leave here. We will celebrate with you. We will pray with you. We will, we will, we will give God glory for what he's doing. But if we're going to use this, if we're going to use the sword of the spirit, we're not just going to hold it, okay? We're not just going to let it sit on a table or, or on a wall. We're going to use this baby, and we're going after the enemy. And the way that we're going to do that is by getting in the word of God. I said it earlier. If you don't have a Bible, get one. Ten minutes a day. People get intimidated by it. I don't know how to read it. Listen to me. That's why we have life groups. That's why we do life together. That, it, it, uh, what's a life group? It's a small group. We get together. We hang out. We share stories. A lot of times we eat food because Jesus liked food. I like food. Texas Roadhouse, again, let's go there afterwards. Um, so we just hang out and we get in God's word and learn from each other and learn from Jesus. And he changes people's lives. If you're not in a life group today, it is your next step. We want to help you. We want to grow with you. This, you, have the, you, you can use this. This is the power of Jesus in your hand. Use it to take back your life. Take back your purpose. Take back what's been taken from you. Because it's not his, it's yours. And God wants you to have it, use it, and he wants to use you to change the world. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your presence in this place today. You're moving in a way that is almost indescribable. To see how you worked in your son's life, to see how he used scripture. He was teaching us, wasn't he, Father? He was showing us how we can wield our weapon against the enemy. How we can use the primary weapon in the armor of God to live out our purpose. To be made new with you. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for next steps that people are taking. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Not just now, God, but when people leave here, I'm telling you what, they're taking the church with them. Church begins when this place ends. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. Rhema, the spoken word of God. Thank you for your love letter to us, God. We love you. And we will never stop declaring, Father, that in you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen. God bless you.